This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's good? This is Barry Harrison, a.k.a. The Stars Barber. And uh, I just want to come at you today and tell you how schedulicity has changed my life. Like, number one, it's changed my life because it helped me get more organized. I was able to structure my day, structure my week. Um, I know what type of revenue I have coming this day. If I need to run out, run an errand, uh, if I want to take lunch, I'm able to do all these things, and it just helps to structure uh, a barber or stylist or anyone that's in an appointment-driven industry. You're able to maximize your time, and time is something that you can't get back. So I value my time, and I love the customer service, and I've been with Schedulicity for over almost 10 years. I've been rocking with them for almost a decade, so happy to be part of the family, happy Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, CEO and founder of Schedulicity, and we're proud to bring you this amazing podcast. day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tony. What's up, man? What's up, homie? Shelling like a villain. Um, I'm really uh, looking forward to today's conversation, man, because uh, I'm always scared at the end of the year if uh, if I'm able to uh, keep track of my business the way I yeah, should have. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, today we're bringing on our in-house, uh, our in-house accountant, Ms. Michelle Cook. First of all, I want to thank Michelle a lot. Um, big heart outs to her because, you know, for uh, way before we had Michelle on, we wanted to uh, bring an accountant on or find an accountant that uh, that could talk, that could talk hairdresser. And we had a hard time kind of finding that. Um, but, you know, by us finding Michelle or I think Michelle actually technically found us. But, you know, Michelle... Uh, Michelle's just been amazing at kind of explaining, you know, how our businesses need to be set up or how, whatever, whenever it comes to taxes, you know, Michelle's our, our, our expert and, and she has a great way of articulating it to, uh, to us hairdresser brains. Yeah. And we've done several podcasts with her. So if you haven't heard her go to the past first, you, you can learn her story and how she knows our industry because mm-hmm. she is a part of our industry. That's it. Um, and then uh, she's given us such great advice over the past year uh, how to set up and just what to look out for as far as taxes and stuff like that. Um, I did, you know, now it's, uh, at the end of the year mm-hmm. and, uh, we got to make sure all our, all of our ducks are in a row, get the ducks in a row. So, uh, Let's and do- we're not the tax experts. No, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll be in trial. I'll probably be in jail if you left it up to me. Yeah, and you'd be taking me to jail with you because I'd be using <laughs> your advice. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, Michelle Cook, welcome back to your day off. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. 
man, yeah. sure thing, man. Thank you. And again, from the bottom of our hearts, thanks. Thank you for what you're doing for the industry. I mean, I know that, you know, you don't just hang out on our podcast, but there's a couple other outlets and podcasts that you hang out on. And, and, and I think that's very, very cool that we keep getting as much information into the industry as possible. Hey, I am just more than happy to help. I feel like the more you know, the better decisions you can make. And it's, I'm more than happy just to help anyone I can. That is so let's jump into it. So how do we get prepared for the end of the end of the year tax planning? Yeah, the very, very foundational thing that you've got to do is get your bookkeeping in order. If you don't have your bookkeeping in order, then you don't know what happened in your business this year. And if you don't know what happened in your business, there's no planning to be done. Mm-hmm. So basic, basic, get your bookkeeping up to date. Um if you're in QuickBooks, you know, get updated in QuickBooks. If you haven't graduated to QuickBooks yet, then get your spreadsheet in order. And for someone over here who's like, what the heck is bookkeeping? <laughs> um, basically, that's just you're adding up all of your income and all of your expenses, and you're figuring out what your net profit is. And that net profit number is the important number. Because I think a lot of times in this industry, people go, well, how much did you make? Oh, I'm a six-figure, you know, stylist. Well, is that sales or is that profit? Because those two numbers are very different. And, you know, I don't pay my mortgage with my sales. I pay it with my profit. And so all of the tax planning is based on your profit. And so you've got to get to that bottom line profit number to know what the heck you're going to do with everything else. I'm scared to look at it this year, 2020, because I feel like I've been off half the year. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there, you know, and we'll talk about this, but there, you know, a lot of different moving parts this year because of COVID, a lot of different things happened in the industry. And so there are definitely different things to be looking at than we would normally look at this year. So if you're not on QuickBooks, are are there templates as far as an Excel spreadsheet or something, or do you, I mean, is, is there something I can look for to, to fill it out or? Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there are little spreadsheets online. You can just Google bookkeeping template and there are Google sheet things. But honestly, what I would do, I would log into my bank account. You can search by transaction date and I would just search 2020 and I would download all of the transactions for 2020. And then I would just in a column right next to it, put income. And then if it was an expense, you kind of have to break it out by expense type for taxes. So you could say, you know, retail purchases, you know, cleaning supplies, back bar, you know, you just kind of go through your expenses real quick on that spreadsheet and just kind of give every expense a name or a category. Another shout out to Michelle too, which I didn't know, and I've been doing it for years, is that when I buy, when I've bought back bar, I've been paying taxes on it. So like, like I paid, you know, I paid salon centric the taxes of when I bought back bar, not back bar, retail. When I bought retail, I've bought, you know, I bought all these and I'm paying taxes on it. And then I go to sell it and, and they're paying taxes on it. So literally the government's getting paid twice for that one product. So, so make sure that you're that, that it, moving forward, make sure that your salon centric, your Cosmoprov, all your distributors, um, that, that you're getting the, uh, the tax deduction, um, or the, the tax, what word am I looking for? The tax free, whatever. Yeah, you just need to give them your sales tax ID to be able to prove that you're a wholesaler reselling it. 
Right. But, you know, that's that, and that, you know, that saves you six or 7%, you know, before you sell it, which, which is huge, especially this year. You know I mean? If you're only running a 10% profit, think about, you know, if that 10% is just coming off of that retail, you know, that, that can be, that can be huge. Anyway, sorry to sidebar you there, Michelle. Hey, you're good. You're good. Every dollar counts, right? Absolutely. That's it. So, so how are we preparing our, um, you know, our taxes or, or, you know, what do we need to look forward to? Yeah. Okay. So, so let's say you've got your bookkeeping done. You have, you know, you've got your net profit number. The very first thing you need to do is figure out if you've saved enough money for taxes. A lot of people think, well, they're due on April 15th. I've got a few months. Well, actually you're supposed to be paying them quarterly. And the next due date is January 15th. And the IRS expects you to have all of your estimated taxes paid by January 15th. If you're able to do that, then once you go to file come April 15th, you're not going to owe penalties because you've paid those estimated taxes along the way. So that's why you want to have your solid numbers at this point so that you can make a solid guess as to how much you're going to owe so that you don't owe any penalties when you file. Um, But this year, it's a little bit different because you don't just have your business income. You've also got unemployment. I would say most people in the industry were collecting unemployment at some point this year. And unemployment is taxable. So you've got to add that in. Is that is that if you collect it through a state, is it federal and state or is it just state or I guess both, right? Right. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about unemployment is it's not subject to self-employment tax. So it's not going to be taxed as high as your profit from your salon, assuming you're an LLC or sole proprietor. Um, But it is just something to be aware of that it is taxable. You've got to throw that into the consideration. Well, I was going to say, will the state send me um, like a W-2 or something? Like a W, yeah, like a W-2 and letting me know how much I uh, borrowed from the state. Yeah, so they send you something called a 1099G. G is for government. And yeah, so um, they will let you know how much to put on your taxes. All right, Michelle. So when I collected my unemployment, I I had them pre-take out the taxes. Are there any tax concerns because I'm not technically a W-2 employer, because I'm not technically an employee? Are there is there anything that I need to be concerned about? Meaning like is the chance that I overpay the tax, is the chance that I underpay the tax, you know, will I owe a little bit more because, because of that? Or will I, or could I owe a little bit less because of that? Or is it just too complex to, to answer? Well, it's going to vary by what state you live in. So there are states that ask if you want some taxes withheld. And I told all my clients like, yes, on that, because you think you need all of this money now, but if you don't have the money now, you're not going to have the money later. So just have it taken off the top. Um, But anyway, so some states only withheld for federal and didn't withhold any state taxes from the unemployment. Um, And most of the time they only withheld about 10%. And just, you know, because we're in a progressive tax system where it ranges anywhere from, you know, 10 to 37%, you know, where are you on that progressive line? It vary for everybody. So whether or not enough was withheld, yeah, probably not. Well, uh, I missed that conversation. Was that, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell them to hold my taxes, <laughs> <laughs> but I did tuck away. So, some money, yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. 
That's crazy. So, um, all right. Now, let, Michelle, I kind of want to get into like all the other stuff that was, you know, quote unquote available to us, um, you know, whether it's like SBA loans or how those are taxed or whether it's the, the, the infamous, the famous, the we nobody knows what the hell is going on with the PPP loans, um, all that stuff. And uh, I kind of want to get into that because that is so unique, you know, to 2020. So how, how is that all shaking out or something? Because I know, like, for instance, like the PPP, it seems like every month, since the very beginning, since back in April, when they talked about the CARES Act, every month, it's like changing, you know, like, like how it's going to be used and stuff, which is, which is really like, it's weird, because if it makes you feel vulnerable, right? It makes you feel like, well, I, I mean, I was just trying to save my business. Now there's all these different rules. So anyways, I'll stop talking, Michelle. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel you. There were so many different programs that came out like PPP or EIDL. And now we're at the end of it. And it's like, okay, what does this mean now that we've got to file a tax return? So I'll start with the easy one first. The EIDL, a lot of people received the $1,000 per employee grant. Um, That is a grant. So it's not taxable. And any of the loan proceeds, they're also not taxable because you got to pay all that money back. Um, now let's move into the more complicated PPP. Hold on, before we get to the PPP, Michelle, okay. uh, just just real quick, I know that, uh, and we, Michelle, you and I talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago, that I actually got an email from SBA saying that I had to fill out a form, um, basically as as the entity of an LLC, that 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 the entity, not not Corey the guy, but you know Corey the LLC, was going to accept this money. So make sure that you get that because I think it puts your loan in default if you don't if you don't um, if you don't fill that out. It's a very very simple form. It just says I the member of LLC, yada, yada, yada. This is my loan number. You know, it's less than a paragraph of information that you, for, if you got an SBA idle loan, if you got an SBA idle loan, you have to say that, you know, not, not Tony didn't accept it, but actually the entity of, you know, Tony salon um, um, took that money. So that's really important too. So if you get that email, it's very, very simple. Don't overthink it. Just, just get it back out to them because it's a really silly way to put your loan in jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, Corey said it is a very, very simple letter. And they just, um, you know, we, we kind of, as a single owner business, you're in your head, you're just like, I am my business, but you know, legally speaking, you are not your business once you've set up an LLC. And so they needed approval from the LLC that the LLC wanted to take out the loan. That's all it is. Um, okay. So sorry. Yeah. Getting back into, you know, PPP stuff. So I'm going to tell you how things sit right now. And then I think we all know from 2020 that things change. (laughs) All I'm going to say is if you want updates, I will be updating on my Instagram. You can follow me at small business CPA and I will let you know when this stuff changes because I'm keeping a very close eye on it. But as we sit, as of today, any money that is forgiven through the PPP is not taxable income. That's what they told us. Okay, that's great. But (laughs) any expenses that you used, the PPP, like your rent, employees, payroll, um, utilities, none of that is deductible on the tax return. So there's right now saying, hey, look, we gave you free money. And then you paid a business expense with that. So why do you get a tax deduction when you got free money? That's kind of how they've looked at it. We're all saying, whoa, 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 wait. (laughs) 
I would have had this expense either way. And now you're telling me I don't get to deduct it. Um, there are companies who kept employees on um, when there wasn't work to be done and paid them through the PPP where they could have put their employees on unemployment, but they didn't, you know, just, they just figured, okay. I mean, um, I know a local salon right here in town that um, they, their employees never went on unemployment because they just got the PPP right away. And they said, hey, let's keep everyone on, pay you at your full rate. And so, but now a, a salon like that is going, hey, I could have just put my employees on unemployment and then I wouldn't have had any problems here. But now I've paid them money and now I'm not going to be able to deduct that on my return, which in the end makes you pay more in taxes. So... Okay, Michelle, I want to kind of break this down a little bit, just 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 so I can understand, because you know I'm an adult. Um, so, like, if I paid, like, I don't know, let's say I paid ten thousand dollars in with the PPP money. Let's say my annual rent is ten thousand dollars, and and out of that ten thousand, I paid like five thousand of it out of the PPP loan, right? Or the PP, it's a loan, right? PPP out of the PPP loan. So, so tell me like last year, 2019, like what would my write-off be for that 10 grand? And then how would that differ this year? Right. Or possibly okay. differ. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So your rent in 2019 was $20,000 and you could deduct that full 20. Um, and let me just like throw in some income numbers just to like, let's just say, let's say your sales were a hundred grand and you had $20,000 of rent. That means your taxable income is now 80 grand. Of course, there's other expenses. We're just keeping it simple. Right. Uh, okay. So shoot forward to 2020. <laughs> we'll assume your income was the same. We all know it wasn't. Um, but let's say $100,000 of sales. Now you had $5,000 of that $20,000 that was forgiven. Well, now you can only deduct $15,000 of the $20,000 of rent. So now your taxable income is $85,000. So that's kind of your taxable income ends up being higher depending on how so you're paying. So you're paying taxes on that $5,000 that quote unquote was supposed to be forgiven essentially. Right. Yeah. And so people are pitching a fit about it. They're talking about changing it. So I just, my advice right now is keep an eye on it. It may or may not be changed. We don't know. But in the meantime, I feel like as you're doing your tax planning, assume it's not going to be deductible. Sure. Assume worst case scenario, because I would much rather have set the money aside in my savings account or get a refund than to end up owing interest and penalties on being late and paying my taxes. Um, but the best way to do that is go ahead and fill out your PPP application right now. And then that way, as you're preparing your return, or if you have a tax accountant preparing it, you can hand over that application to them so that they understand what's being forgiven. Because, you know, ideally, everyone's going to get 100% forgiveness. That's not really going to happen for everyone, just depending on how the money was spent, the timing of things. Um, I'm actually in contact with a lot of people in California who were like, hey, we were laid off for so long, we weren't even in business for enough time to use all of our funds. Um, so there are, you know, different things going on for different businesses. So it's just important to get that application at least filled out. When you're talking about the application, I'm confused. So I, I've received the PPP loan, 
right? Mm -hmm. So obviously I've already filled out an application saying, hey, bro, I need some money. You know, so I've gotten that. I've gotten approved. I've received the money. What application are you talking about? Okay, so you have to apply for forgiveness. Forgiveness is not assumed. So um, I have a whole webinar on how to apply for it, how to fill out the different applications. There are three different applications depending on your particular scenario. Um, I would think most people listening to this podcast would qualify for the simplified version of it. If your loan was less than $50,000, then you can have the simplified version. And it's very, very simple. Super easy to fill out. I I think most people are capable of doing it completely themselves. So, um, but I have that webinar. There's a link to it in my Instagram profile that I can leave up for a while um, just so that people have access to know what to do. A lot of banks right now are not taking applications because they want the final word from the SBA on all of this stuff before they just start willy-nilly forgiving loans. Right. And so some banks are taking applications, some aren't. Even if your bank isn't taking applications, I think it's still worthwhile for you to just go ahead and print off that application, fill it out, and that way at least you know where you sit as to what can be forgiven. Now, when you print it out, are you printing it out from your bank? Are you printing it out from the SBA uh, website? So, yeah, you can just Google. It's uh, 3508S is the number of the simplified application. And, yeah, it's it's pretty simple. The Any bank is going to make you fill out their online version of it. So it's not like you're going to be able to just scan this and submit it to your bank. It's more so that that way you're prepared to do your taxes. Um, that way you have the data to know how much you plan on being forgiven. Because here's the thing, let me clarify. If any portion of your loan is not forgiven, all of those expenses are deductible. So it's only just the forgiven portion wherein there's a potential that those expenses will not be deductible. Okay. I think I understand that. Yeah. Right. So, and it makes sense because of course, if you're going to have to repay it, like you better be able to deduct. It. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Are you, um, is there a deadline on this? Like, does this have to be, uh, does this application have to be done by the end of the year? So, okay. You have 10 months from the time your loan period ended to turn in your application. Um, if you don't turn it in within that 10 month period, then it's, um, just assumed that it turns into a loan and they don't forgive any of it. Yikes. Um, it depends on when you got your loan as to when that period people did an eight-week election some people did a 24-week election um but i can tell you what no matter what they put the deadline as december 31st no loans or covered period are extending past december 31st um and i will just throw out one piece of advice if you are a sole proprietorship or an llc as you're going through what expenses you want forgiven I think you're going to find, especially if you elect that 24-week period, you're going to have more than enough of just money you paid yourself for PPP. So my advice is just use the money that you paid yourself in the forgiveness application because one, you're going to simplify that application a lot because you have to submit proof for everything. So if you only have the one thing you've just paid yourself, then all you as a sole proprietorship need to do is Show them bank statements proving that you paid yourself and your 2019 tax return showing how much you made to prove that that was a reasonable amount that you paid yourself. 
So it makes documentation way easier. But here's the kicker. As a sole proprietorship or LLC, the money that you have paid yourself has never, ever been deductible on your tax return. It's just not. Um, that's just right. the way the money flows through. And so it, this issue that we're talking about becomes a non-issue if you just say, hey, I used all my PPP funds for my payroll. Boom, done. But in the beginning, didn't they say you can only use 75% of it toward payroll? Or okay, so they said a minimum of 75%. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But you can use up to 100 of it for payroll. And now those numbers are different. It's um, 60% minimum payroll. And then... Oh, you just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Oh man. We were smart enough. We actually set up different accounts. So we actually have a PPP account. So everything that's gone through that account has been like, you know, payroll or whatever. I missed that boat too. So, <laughs> but what I did do is that, um, I did, uh, transfer money from one account to another and, uh, wrote, uh, PPP. payroll. There you go. That's great. That uh, works. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, at the time, I was telling everyone, hey, it's the best practice to set up a separate account for your PPP funds. Well, we're here on the back end of it. If you haven't done that, so be it. Um, it just, it'll make it a little bit more simple as you're submitting bank statements to uh, how you spent the money. But my big win, See, look, I'm thinking, man, Corey's a whole lot smarter than I am. But now I know where you're getting your smarts from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. You just need to jump we, in on those phone calls. <laughs> I know. We started this podcast of saying, like, like, we're not the experts. We bring the experts in, man. I mean, you know, you got to use your references, brother. I mean, right. you know, the only thing I'm smart enough about is going to the expert. Which makes you smarter than me. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> you know, my big win here, and I'm being honest, Michelle, is I didn't realize that I had to apply for forgiveness before the end of the year. So, like, now there's a timeline on that. Like, I would have been like, I'd have been April would have been like, all right, what is a forgiveness? You're like, oh, you lost out on all that money, homie. Okay. So, just to be clear, you have 10 months from the time your loan period is over to submit the forgiveness application. But I'm just telling you right now, I think you should be filling out a forgiveness application. E even if your bank isn't accepting them yet, I think you should fill one out on your own and give it to your tax preparer or use it as you're filling out your own taxes so that you have a reference. Yeah, I just, yeah the bank just sent me um, an email saying that I have, uh, they just sent me the application that I'm approved before because I try to fill it out before in November and, they, and it said you're not uh your turn's not up yet. So, and then I just got it saying, okay, now you can fill it out. Who did you get your loan through? BB&T. Okay. Because I'm, I'm with Blue Vine. I got to go check. I got to go check my Blue Vine emails. Because I've, I've been getting tons of like Lindio and uh, Blue Vine uh, emails. Maybe one of those. I just, I just put them up as like, you know, just like they're advertising to lend me more money, which I don't want right now, you know. So maybe I have to go back through those. Maybe they did send me an email. So, uh, yeah, that's good. All right, cool. Anything else that we need to know about the about the triple P loan? No, I think that's it. I think we covered it. That's awesome. And then um, uh, uh, I know the advice that you gave us a few months ago, and if you could just reiterate it again. So, who do you want to if you're if you're a small business, who do you want to send ten ninety nines to? Okay, so you are required to send a ten ninety nine anytime someone provides you services and you end up paying them over $600 in a year. So what does that mean? Um, you got a website designed and you paid them more than $600. Okay. 
um, your accountant, <laughs> um, you, you pay them more than $600, you give them a 1099. Um, another one would be your landlord because they provided you big one. paid them rent. So this is one that escapes a lot of renters or suite owners. Some people are thinking, hey, my salon never gave me a 1099. And it's like, oh, hey, actually, um, you're supposed to be the one issuing the 1099. You're not receiving it, you're giving it. So if you paid someone money, that's when you issue the 1099. Okay, what happens if you pay somebody overseas? That's a really good question. And you know what? Foreign taxes aren't my jive. So I don't have a good answer for that for you. And I'll, and I'll give you like, um, you know, these, uh, some of these companies where you can hire people to do specific like jobs. Yeah. Like fivers or um, I forget the one we use uh, to help, you know, and, 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 you know, they're overseas, whether it's the Philippines or whatever, and they help you, uh, you know, your business out, you know, they're writing, or building or, you know what I mean? Designing. Uh, how does that expense work out? Does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would, I guess I don't know the answer to be honest with you. So I don't want to say yes or no and be wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we're going to bring you back on. <laughs> Michelle, another question, like, like, uh, why do I care? Why do I care about sending my landlord or 1099? How is it going to affect me? So, um, first of all, on your tax return, you are asked, were you supposed to issue any 1099s? Yes or no. And then, and then they ask you if you were supposed to issue them, did you actually do it? <laughs> um, go ahead and click. Yes. I was supposed to issue 1099s and then no, I didn't and try not to get audited. Um, it's kind of like a red flag right there, but, um, more than that is you get penalized. 10, you are supposed to issue 1099s by January 31st, and you start getting penalties every month that you let it go, like $50 a month per person kind of thing. So it adds up real fast. Wow, that's a lot. So how about distributors? So am I am I issuing Cosmoprof? Am I issuing uh, salon-centric? Am I issuing them 1099s as well? Right, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because it's only for services. Anytime you've bought a physical good, that's fine. And And to be clear, this is just for business. Like, you know, I don't give my hairdresser a 1099 at the end of the year. You know, that's a, a consumer to business relationship, but I'm just talking business to business relationships. That's when you issue 1099s. If, uh, if somebody came in, um, like, let's say like I had a leak or something that cost me like $1,200 in my salon and, um, and, you know, I had to pay that out, obviously. Is, is that considered a service? Right. Yeah. If someone's coming in for repairs. Yeah, that would be one. Um, and then let me be clear. There is one exception to this. Actually, there are a couple exceptions to it. <laughs> One exception is if the business that provided you those services is a corporation or an S corp, they don't have to get to 99s. How so you know, check that out. Um, the other one is if you paid for that service through a credit card or through a business PayPal account, any kind of like electronic account that way, then that's another time that you would not issue a 1099. Let me explain why. Because a credit card processor is already required to be issuing that person a 1099 for all of the processing that was done that year. So they don't need to get two of them because then it's going to get double counted. 
So it's just if you've written out a check or if you've paid them through cash or even just some, an electronic transfer through your bank account, maybe like a wire transfer or something, that's when you would pay it. Um, that's when you would give it to 99. Got it. I have wow. two more questions. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, the big one, Michelle, and, and I almost think I need to whisper this, right? So, so because, you know, because, you know, we, we're personal business people too. Um, like you sent out an email saying that you do not recommend PayPal or Venmo to be used in your business. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah. Okay. Let me be clear. Um, PayPal has a business version and I think that one's just fine. Like I even use that in my business. That's great. Um, Venmo actually has come out with a business version and it's okay to use that one. The reason why I say not to use Venmo is most of the time. Or Cash App, right? Or Cash App. Um, You're breaking the terms of service because Venmo, at least the one that everyone actually has installed on their phones, is a friends and family app. And so your funds can get held if they catch you using it for business. Um, And number two, it's a freaking nightmare doing your bookkeeping afterwards when you've been using Venmo for business because you have all of these different transactions coming through and then maybe because it's also like a personal one you have probably some you know hey I went out to dinner with my friends or I split a uber whatever and you've got to pull that out it's a record-keeping nightmare after the fact to go through so it's just so much better to set things up properly. Um, and I'll give you my one really quick word of advice. I know so many booth rental salon owners who want all of their renters to pay through Venmo because it's just like, it's easy for the renters and there are no fees associated with it. Um, I totally understand that, but you're just not supposed to be doing Venmo, um, for business. So another awesome option is QuickBooks. They allow you to set up a reoccurring payment. So it will weekly or monthly, depending on how frequently you charge your renters will automatically charge, which is great. Now you don't have to go and ask anyone for money ever again, because it's automatic. Um, and it's only a 1% fee to do it that way. So it's a lot cheaper than credit cards. And at least it's a legit way to go about it. Mm, love that. I'm scared to ask that question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michelle. Uh, this is this is uh, our first year, like kind of ending a year for it. And I've never had a really, and although I've been a, um, although I've been a, a studio owner now for I don't know five or six years, like I've never kind of understood how retail works. So you know, I've I've spent a thousand dollars in retail in 2020, and then you know, at the end of the year, I have a bunch of stuff on the shelf. But I, help me out. Does that stuff just transfer over? You know. Um, the money or, or what do I need to do to prep for, you know, the retail that I, that I bought and that's sitting on my shelf. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about some retail best practices. Uh, ideally, you know, every month you would go through your inventory and count it and make sure that whatever your records are within your software are accurate to what's actually on your shelves. I know as I'm sitting here, that a lot of people are not doing that. I'm just telling you that. You're so cute, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then let's say, let's say you haven't even done it all year. 
at least on January 31st, at the end of the year, you should be doing a count of what you have on hand. Um, you said January 31st. Did you mean December? I did mean December. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so here's why you want to do that. On your tax return, you are only supposed to deduct the amount of product that was actually sold. So you want to do a count at the end of the year so that you hold that in place for a deduction in the future. Um, there are some exceptions to this, and I want to kind of give some people peace of mind. Um, with recent tax law changes, there was a new addition wherein if you don't have a system for tracking your inventory at all, like let's say you don't have any software, you literally just buy it and it, like you just put it on your shelves and you don't track it in any way. Um, and it's after the fact. Um, and it's like minimal, like, and I, and I would say that happens for, I would say a lot of suite renters and booth renters where it's like, okay, look, the bulk of the business is services and then retail is just a small side piece of it. So in this scenario, it is possible just to deduct it as you purchase it because you don't have a system in place. Um, anyways, I just want to tell people that for peace of mind, you know, as, as an accountant, I'm like, get a system in place. It's going to be better for you to actually keep track of things. But anyways, just in case you're kind of like, oh crap, I didn't do that. Am I no, you're not. That's good to know. So as of December 31st, we should at least uh, take a little bit of inventory or at least your last day of, uh, you know, you know what I've done in the past and uh, it's because I didn't know again, but I've actually like on the last day of work, I take a picture of all my retail and then I, and then during the Christmas break or, you know, if I'm not coming back before the 31st, then I can actually go down there and encounter it as opposed to, you know, sitting there with the shelves and, and, you know, then I can do it on my leisure time as opposed to like, you know, going back into the salon and like actually counting bottles. Cause you know, I'd rather cut my wrist than do that. Right. Well, thank you for uh, making my end of the year busy. I appreciate that. Um, literally really thank you so much for, for such great advice and just helping us prepare uh, for not only good practices, but just to, just to do it right. Just to do it right. And Michelle, um, I can't thank you enough. I mean, for, I can't imagine getting through this year without you. Um, and that's both, that's both um, on the podcast and, and you've guided like so many of us um, through this incredibly like confusing year. Um, and, and, and personally too, you know, that I, I, I ring your phone a lot whenever, whenever I start to get crazy in my head, but, um, you know, just thank you personally. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for, for sharing with our industry and, um, and just helping us guide the way a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, you're the light holder or the torch holder as we're, as we're traveling through this, uh, this dark, uh, this dark, uh, cave called taxes and in, in, in preparation. And I just, we really, really, really mega appreciate you and appreciate everything about you. Hey, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for having me on and being able to share all this stuff. I just hope it helps a lot of people out as they're finishing up this. If they're like us, it will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Miss Michelle Cook. Thank you. Oh, oh real quick before we ju jump off. How, how do people find you on Instagram? I know you mentioned it before, but as before we sign off, um, if they if they didn't get it, go. Yeah, sure. You can find me at Small Business CPA. Uh, that's on Instagram. And do you have a website? I do. Um, our firm has a website, Carter Cook CPAs. And then I also have a bookkeeping course and that is profitthatcounts.com. 
Profit that counts. That's that. That sounds like we all need that. One hundred percent. Make it count exactly. Michelle Cook, thank you very very much for joining us on. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>